0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger.
1: Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to take you inside the making of TT's 2022 Top 50 Global Freight Companies list, which we just published on November 7th, both in print and online at ttnews.com. This annual list ranks the world's largest freight transportation companies across all geographies and all modes of transportation to produce this list we worked closely with sj consulting to rank these companies based on annual revenue from freight operations in addition to the main top 100 list this publication also includes rankings of the largest container seaports and cargo airports in north america if you haven't already done so you can get exclusive access to the complete version of our top 50 global freight companies report By subscribing to Transport Topics at ttn.ws slash ttsubscribe. You can also text ttsubscribe to 571-622-0001. And of course, don't forget to check out a fresh episode of Road Signs every other Thursday. And now, to discuss how we assembled this year's Top 50 Global Freight Companies publication, I'm going to bring in two of my colleagues at TT, Features Editor Michael Fries, and our new features coordinator, Mike Santori. So we do have two mics on the podcast, but we'll make that work. You know, we've been going with Michael and Mike system in the uh, office to reduce confusion, and I'll do the same here. Uh, that aside, thank you both for your hard work on this project and for being a part of this conversation.
0: Glad to be here, Seth. Uh, this is Michael talking, <laughs> by the way. Seth. But yes, uh, it, this is going to be a very exciting time. So I, I'm I'm happy to be a part of this.
2: Yeah, happy to join the podcast. Uh, this is Mike, by the way yeah i'm excited to be on
1: so just to start things off i'd like to walk our listeners through the process of assembling this publication as i mentioned earlier we work closely with sj consulting on the main top 50 list sj compiles freight revenue data on companies all around the world and then we add in supplemental information such as equipment and asset information uh, executive leadership and and company descriptions Uh, so mike uh, you took on the lion's share of the work this year uh, so I'd like you to describe the process of gathering and compiling the information that went into this list.
2: Sure. So yeah, it, it was a big project. My first job was really to update the profiles that we have on companies that have appeared on previous year's lists. And you know that includes checking for updates on their chief executives, uh, their websites, and the stock listings. And for new companies on this year's list, which we had plenty of, uh, i really had to build their listing from the ground up and so that helped me you know as someone who's sort of new to the trucking and transportation industries as a whole it really helped me to learn more about third-party logistics providers and freight forwarders and the services that they really provide
1: yeah for sure i mean it's a great way to learn about the industry is to to work on these publications it's been you know my experience as well uh, at transport topics you know i'm coming up on uh, just about 12 years uh, at this point, but uh, it's amazing how much you learn uh, working on these projects. And, and to your point, certainly as a big project, these, these four annual publications uh, are a big part of what we do at TT. Uh, and you alluded to this earlier, Mike, but I also want us to, to dive in a little bit deeper on one of the big changes to this year's Global 50. Uh, so this year, we are now including third-party logistics companies and 3PL services. Uh, So these are companies, of course, that serve as intermediaries um, between shippers and carriers. They arrange and coordinate shipments, uh, but don't typically uh, move the freight themselves. So in the past, in this publication, we focused specifically on asset-based carriers, whether it's trucking or parcel, uh, rail operators, uh, ocean freight, and air cargo providers. Uh, But now that we're also considering some of these non-asset-based companies, uh, we see that some of the big international freight forwarders and large freight brokers have qualified for this list, and those are you know, the bulk of the new companies that uh, you referenced, Mike. Uh, you know, personally, I like this change because you know, increasingly it's becoming harder and harder to separate asset-based transportation and third-party logistics services. I mean, if you just look at the trucking industry, you know, most of the large fleets, most of the large motor carriers are also freight brokers. They'd have a, a freight brokerage arm. Uh, and, you know, many of the large asset-based companies, you know, global transportation providers are also involved in warehousing, uh, supply chain orchestration, and other logistics services. So it's harder and harder to, to truly delineate. And for a list like this that's supposed to be very comprehensive and we're looking at all freight transportation around the world, uh, it just makes sense to, to put it all together, I think. Uh, and, and include uh, asset-based and non, non-asset-based uh, freight transportation services together as we uh, look at company revenue. Um, but that being said, I'd like to ask each of you to reflect on this year's final product. You know, what are your, some of your top takeaways as you review this list? And uh, I'll start with you, Michael.
0: You know, one of the things you just said, you touched upon, Seth, that you were saying with uh, you know, large trucking companies being throat breakers as well. You know. Having that, that all all services type of mantra, you know, in, in the past that, that was uh, more of a, a marketing thing than than an actual um, you know a, a tangible uh, asset or service to provide to their customers, and and now in this day, day and age as well, when it comes to the supply chain bottlenecks that you're reading about, and even the, 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 the striking port workers um, out in the west coast I mean, that that that's still going on. You know, it's 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 so important to for companies to carve out that particular niche, and but at the same time, you know, have these services that uh, they offer, you know, offering a wide range and and being more viable to potential customers. So I think us reflecting that particular change and um, noticing that particular dynamic in this list, I, I think that's very helpful uh, for for this year versus years past.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's. Uh in some ways easier, right? Because you don't have to delineate actual asset-based, you know, uh, freight uh, services uh, versus uh, 3PL. Um, But uh, I want to ask you the same question, Mike, you know, what stands out to you, um, you know, the most as you reflect on your experiences working on this list for the first time?
2: Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, uh, I I really do like the change that we made uh, with including the non-asset-based companies. Um, I think they you know, these 3PLs and these other non-asset-based companies, they they really play a vital role in the entire landscape of, you know, freight transportation. So being able to include those on this year's edition of the list, I feel like it just gives it a more holistic view. And and, and as you said, Seth, a more comprehensive view of sort of the entire landscape of freight transportation.
1: Yeah, this is certainly our, our most comprehensive, uh, you know, the The most uh, zoomed out lens uh, that we, you know, look at uh, the the industry, you know, very global, all modes of transportation. Uh, Of course, our core audience is trucking in North America, but for this publication in particular, we really like to uh, look at the whole scope of of freight transportation across the world. Um, So we talked a little bit about uh, how we put the publication together and what's new this year, Uh, but without Uh, Any further delay, I think it's time to get into the rankings themselves. So, you know, I'll start out at the top. Uh, No surprise that UPS and FedEx are the clear-cut, you know, numbers one and two on the list. Uh, You know, not only are are UPS and FedEx the largest transportation companies in North America, that's also true on a global basis. Uh, Now, one prominent addition to this year is the U.S. Postal Service. You know, in the past, we have not uh, considered them for the list, but uh, you know, it's a kind of a unique case, being a uh, you know government-operated uh, entity. But you know, there are other examples of that, you know, both past and present, on the the Global 50 list. So uh, it only made sense to include USPS. Um, so they appear for at uh, number four um, on the list uh, after being included uh, for the first time, and it's not necessarily a reflection of. Um, you know, their operations is a reflection of us uh, including them on the list for the first time. But uh, the Postal Service is number four. Uh, and then the, the largest 3PL on the list um, is Switzerland-based ocean and air freight forwarder Canon uh, Nagel. Uh, they're at uh, number eight. Uh, they're also factor highly on our uh, list of uh, North American operations and our annual top 100 logistics list we published earlier this year. Uh, and then we look at uh, North American-based uh, 3PLs, uh, some of the largest uh, freight brokers rank very highly. C.H. Uh, Robinson, you know, the largest uh, broker in the U.S., North America, you know, they debut at number 17 on this list. And Seattle-based freight forwarder Expeditors International uh, checks in at number 23. Uh, so those are a few of the big changes and, and uh, takeaways from the list itself. Uh, Michael, what companies or ranking changes stand out to
0: you this year? Well, you you pretty much touched upon it, the, the USPS and, and Kane and Eagle. Uh First, the USPS, uh, you know, it would be surprising, but at the same time, for for years, the US Postal Service has been working hand in hand with, you know, um, you know other uh, delivery based services such as, you know, Amazon, and even even UPS to a certain extent, you know, when it comes to, you know, weekend deliveries. So, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say a no-brainer, but I mean it's a it's a logical uh, destination as uh, for being number four on that particular list. So uh, good for the USA in, in in that particular part. But 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 no, the the uh, the postal service is a very uh, you know vital uh, delivery link. Uh, we you know, we talk about truck you know the trucking industry all day every day here. Uh, that, that that is our job. But the you know the U.S. Postal Service really is a you know a, a backbone such as the trucking industry to the to this particular country. Uh, with with Kane and Nagle, um, you know it's uh, another thing in, in the kind of same sense that you know it's. Um, you know, not so much a surprise, but you know, it's a, it's a very large DPL. you know, I mean, we don't see, we don't see too many, uh, you know, uh, trailers or, or, or tractors with, with the Kane and Nagel logo on it. But I mean, if you're, if you're a driver in, you know, somewhere in Southern Europe, I'm pretty sure you'll see that name quite a bit as much as you see, you know, DHL and other worldwide uh, carriers. So Having those two on the list is, is really representative of what we were trying to uh, achieve, you know, as you were saying earlier, Seth, about, you know, having a comprehensive list. So I think, you know, those two, uh, those two entities really attest to that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll also mention, uh, you know, DHL at number three. So it's the
0: you know, top four companies
1: are all in the parcel space, uh, largest you know, transportation providers in, in the world and with a, a postal service, three out of four based in the uh, U.S., uh, you know, Mike, I want to ask you the, the same question. You know, What uh, you know, companies or ranking changes stand out most to you when you uh, take a look at the list this year?
2: Michael, you touched on this before as well, but uh, the company that really stood out to me was the Postal Service. I mean, the addition of USPS to the list shouldn't come as a surprise, but the fact that it made its debut all the way up at number four caught me a little bit off guard. It's really the only company in the top 10 that focuses the majority of its services in one country Uh, most of the other companies of that nature that we see on the list are uh, state-run railway services and the u.s postal service outpaced all of them i I found it kind of shocking especially with the ongoing conversation that we've been seeing in america for quite a while now about how the postal service is on the decline and how things look a bit bleak for them it was it was surprising to me to see how strong their numbers are, compared to these other giants of you know of freight transportation.
1: Yeah, for sure the the postal service is undergoing a, a transformation. You know, in the, is in the middle of a transformation, and you know, including the the vehicles is going to be operating. Um, so it's it's certainly a,
0: a time of change. You know, Seth, I just wanted to add to that. It's just um, to what Mike was saying. It's just sort of you know it is, it is sort of surprising in the sense that you know you have a business model where you can. You could send a letter from D.C. to Los Angeles for what, about fifty cents right now. So, so I mean, it's uh, right. You know, so there's not too many businesses. That is not a market determined
1: uh, price, right? uh, Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's a a service, right?
0: And it's been like that for for Uh, quite a while. For and as much as inflation is raging, you know, that's uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure most businesses wish they had that uh, sort of price action.
2: From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a Transport Topic Special Report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification.
1: I do also want to mention that, of course, many trucking companies, um, have large contracts with the postal service, you know, mail hauling contracts. Uh, so, you know, the the Postal Service is not only um, you know, a provider of transportation itself, it is also a, a shipper in a sense, you know, it's a uh, large customer for, uh, for some trucking companies uh, as well. Um, so just as a reminder to our listeners, you can view the full top 50 list online at ttnews.com. And of course, you can get exclusive access to the complete version of our top 50 global freight companies report by subscribing to Transport Topics at ttn.ws slash ttsubscribe. So as in years past, uh, several of North America's largest trucking companies also stand among the largest freight transportation companies in the world. Uh, just looking at the list, less than truckload carrier, XBO Logistics ranks number 26 on the list. So that company has morphed into a pure-play LTL provider through the spin-off of its contract logistics business, which is now GXO Logistics. And also just recently its freight brokerage operations which are now moving forward under the rxo name so uh, XPO, of course uh, assembled uh, many many uh, uh, operations and companies throughout the industry and, and built this very large operation in uh, trucking and uh, warehousing and logistics uh, but now the company uh, has has changed directions and uh you know brad jacobs who you know, led the company on this path is, uh, has now separated them into more pure play uh, opportunities moving forward with uh, xbo gxo and rxo uh, so some other uh, you know major trucking companies on the list uh, this year on our top 50 include truck rail intermodal service provider jb hunt at number 28 and canada-based trucking and parcel conglomerate tfi international at number 42. A newcomer to the list I want to mention is number 45, Landstar System, which operates through a network of independent freight brokerage agents and independent owner-operators. So it's a bit unique compared to the other companies on this list. And uh, the company had a lot of growth in 2021 uh, with uh, 58% revenue growth. Um, So just a really, really banner year uh, last year. And of course, all these companies are, are ranked on the basis of freight revenue uh, from the most recent full year, which was uh, 2021. Uh, also mentioned, of course, uh, Truckload Giants, Night Swift Transportation, and Schneider are numbers uh, 47 and 49, respectively, on the list. And uh, just rounding out the list at number 50 is LTL Carrier Old Dominion Freightline. I uh, also mentioned that another LTL company, Yellow Corp, uh, just missed the cut at number 51. Um, you know, Michael, uh, I'll ask you also to, to reflect on the North American trucking companies that appear on the, the global top 50 list.
0: Sure. Um, you know, I hope that we don't get any angry phone calls from Darren Hawkins, uh, yellow corp CEO. So, <laughs> so um, that yeah, we just, we just made the list, you know, he's the ATA vice chairman too. So I'll, I'll, you know, so I don't want any smoke. So, so, um, no, but, but seriously. The um, you know, the, the thing that stands out to me, you were just mentioning it earlier, Seth, was just XPO Logistics. You know, with uh, you know, they they've made a lot of noise, you know, this year with uh, you know, just with uh, GXO Logistics and the, the the RXO name as well. You know they're they're doing a lot of things in, in that particular space, and just what we were talking about even earlier with just kind of uh, you know freight these uh, these freight companies you know uh, expanding their niche. So I mean I, I think you know the 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 freight companies in North America that that are doing that, such as um, uh, you know XPO Logistics, and even you know to a certain extent you know JB Hunt, you know. Um, those are the particular companies that are going to probably remain on this list. That, that are doing uh, not, that are not only the, the big players, you know, such as you know Old Dominion Freight Lines. You know, it's it's uh, that, that the size of these companies, the leaders of these companies, are are taking that particular size and also uh, learning how to not, not learning, but but also diversifying uh, their their services and and really letting it know to their their consumers and, and the potential customers what they are capable of so I mean I, I think the the companies that that are doing that and are continuing to do that are going to remain on this list and, and be you know very viable in the future
1: yeah certainly an interesting um, you know mix of companies that have expanded their uh, service offerings and have morphed over the years you know uh, you know JB hunt is one that it has reinvented itself over the years from a, you know, more of a traditional you know, trucking company to a, you know, really now an intermodal service provider and, you know, really becoming more of a uh, broader service provider and, and uh, uh, through its uh, J.B. Hunt uh, 360 uh, platform. Uh, and then you have you know, sort of the opposite with XPO, uh, you know, it's a company that, you know, through acquisition grew and really expanded in, in, into a, a variety of services. Both trucking and logistics, and now has moved in the opposite direction uh, with more of these you know, pure play approaches. You know, XBL is going going to be a LTL provider, um, GXO contract logistics, and RXO freight brokerage. You know, so, you know really a tech, you know, technology uh, enabled uh, freight brokerage. Uh, so really, you know, moving more toward specialization, which is kind of a, a counter uh, point to maybe the, the broader trend in the industry, uh, but it certainly is interesting to, to watch that uh, uh, develop. Um, you know, Mike, I wanna turn it over to you as well, uh, just to get your thoughts and reflections on the, the trucking companies uh, that appear on our top 50 list.
2: It was good to see that even with our expanded list this year covering 3PLs, um, and covering other non-asset based companies, North American Trucking really stood its ground and maintained its presence across the list. And something that really stood out to me was that even though certain companies within the sector, they, they might've moved backwards in the rankings from last year's list, we still saw an increase in their freight revenue. And this is the case with companies across different industries on the list, but it, it really stood out to me with the North American trucking, specifically companies like XBL, like you said, they moved back two spots compared to last year's ranking, but they grew their freight business by $4.7 billion. JP Hunt, as you said, moved back three spots, but they increased their revenue $4 billion. And this is the case for all the trucking companies that you mentioned earlier. Even Night Swift, which took sort of the biggest step backwards in their ranking, falling 12 spots, they still saw an increase of over $1.8 billion in their freight revenue from 2020 to 2021. So I think it reflects very well on North American trucking as a whole, and sort of, as you said, how these companies are expanding their services and you know, evolving with the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, trucking, you know, even today remains a, a very fragmented industry where so much of the work is done by small and medium sized companies. Uh, but that being said, the, you know, the very largest trucking companies in North America still rank highly, you know, even on a, a global scale. And, uh, you know, to your point, Mike, on the, uh, the ranking changes, you know, that is, you know, more of a function of our, the uh, change to our criteria for the list. Uh, rather than a, a change of the true you know makeup uh, and and uh, you know size of these companies uh, because we are now including uh, three pls on the list that, uh, that changed the uh, the the makeup of the list. but uh, you know a lot of the trucking companies that dropped in rankings actually you know increased in size, uh, increased in revenue uh, certainly during twenty twenty one so it's good to to make that point and also, to make that clear for those who are wondering, oh, hey, why did this company drop? It's also you know largely because you know, we now, we're now counting some other companies that we did not factor in before. Um, next up, I, I do want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about uh, some of the content in the publication beyond the top 50 list. Uh, so I'll start with our uh, North American seaports data. And we made a pretty big change this year, you know, in in years past, we used to publish a a pretty extensive directory of ports that included mostly tonnage information. Uh, But honestly, we kind of questioned the value of that Um, kind of a a sea of data that we released without a a whole ton of context. Uh, So this year, we've replaced that with a much more focused look at the largest container ports in North America. And we made that change because we believe that's the most valuable information for our audience, you know, again, leaders and decision makers at you know, trucking and logistics companies. Uh, you know, Mike, you spearheaded that project. So just tell us a bit about your findings as you put together that uh, list of the largest container ports in North America.
2: I think that honing in and changing what was the port directory to really a ranking system, I, I think that was the right move. Conceptually, it matches with the top 50 list and the airport's ranking, so there's a bit more consistency between those three elements of the publication. And it also focuses in on what the important information is, and it makes it easier for readers to take in and analyze. Uh, Putting the port ranking together itself was a bit of a tedious project. Uh, We're fortunate enough that the top 50 list and the airport ranking uh, they're built already before we really get our hands on them. We get those from SJ Consulting and from the, F- the FAA, respectively. But the port ranking was truly built from the ground up. And in, in terms of taking an overall look at uh, the seaport data, uh, just like we saw with the global freight companies, seaport container volumes were up overall. Uh, it was a huge rebound in 2021 as demand surged and supply chain issues eased as much as they could. And California really remains the hotspot in North America with the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach holding top two spots on the list.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, the port complex in uh, Southern California is just uh, just such a, a massive operation. And, um, it's one of those things where you don't, uh, really even fully understand it until you're out there for you know, yourself. And I remember the first time I did a, a tour, you know, via waterway and, uh, i just i couldn't believe like wow this just keeps going on and going on and the ports of la and long beach of course are nestled together so it's not even super clear where one begins and and the other ends at least from the the viewpoint of the water um but uh just so much freight um passes through uh so many imports and exports passing through um you know those those ports um and uh, yeah, I, I do think that that's a really good uh, uh, resource for the industry now, and I'm glad we made the change. Transport topics in one word. Authoritative. Knowledge. Knowledge.
0: Outstanding. Reliable. Right. We asked transport topics readers to describe us in one word. Informative. Informative. Integrity. The Bible. Authoritative. The authority. Transportation information, that's two, but I've I, I got to have it both physically large. (laughs) Oh, that's two words. Visit influence.ttnews.com forward slash say hello to find out what they're talking about.
1: Another topic I want to bring up is, uh, you know, not just the data, but also the sort of the industry trends that we look into. Um, So much like our other annual publications, the Top 50 Global Freight Companies uh, publication is not just a list, it's also a a big picture look at the state of the industry, you know, in in this case, the state of international freight. And this year's cover story for the publication examined the um, uncertain outlook for international shippers and freight transportation providers in the year ahead. So the past two years, of course, have been a time of severe supply chain disruptions, uh, port congestion, labor shortages... uh, you know just really across the board and you know some of those uh, supply chain issues and concerns have now abated um but uh now shippers carriers and 3pls are are facing economic uncertainty on the horizon you know many analysts are predicting at least a mild recession this coming year uh, so that's now lingering for uh, managers and decision makers and business to uh, to navigate uh, in the coming months and, and year and, and beyond so uh, Michael and Mike, I'd like to ask each of you to share your thoughts on the road ahead for uh, the world's largest freight transportation companies. Uh, you know, Michael, I'll, I'll start with you.
0: You know, one of the things, Seth, that that I've seen when it when it comes to just the the international freight situation is you know the you know those problems that you you just mentioned uh, about you know supply chain bottlenecks you know that that has subsided on the on on the west coast but the east coast is still getting just a little bit of, of those particular problems so i mean it just it seems that the that the issue has shifted and, and that that's, that's primarily from you know the shippers who had anticipated a, a backlog and and just working forward and and then going to other ports um you know in, in lieu of you know the, the bottlenecks that they're they're now having. So that problem has kind of switched and and as you also said with the the, the ten thousand foot view of this as as our um annual magazine shows uh what's going on with the the international trade situation is that um uh, now you can kind of see it with with the boots on the ground when you go to your retail stores you know the 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 shelves are packed but they they are packed from orders that that were placed back in you know the the spring or summer so so now you know it, it's kind of um you know those those problems that we were having in that spring and summer are are now um moved to that the holiday season and you know the holiday season is 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 known to have a big up uptick for for consumer business, but you know that is a question mark when you have a recession or you know the fears of a recession looming you know, looming out and um the the consumer uh, consumer spending is 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 not as strong but i mean it's it's still resilient but there's still a lot of question marks involved so you know, having an eye toward international trade really give will really give uh, um, people an idea of what th- this country is, is headed toward when when it, when it comes to business and when it comes to consumer spending. So, um, just kind uh, of having all those uh, dynamics play out. You know, you have that particular su- situation. I mean, but but another thing I wanted to point out, Seth, too, just in in, in the copy that's in the, the content that's in this new issue is that with the, uh, you know, the manufacturers are, are, are thinking about um, you know near sourcing or, or, or even bringing uh, manufacturing jobs back to the us I mean we've seen that trend um, slowly rise in, in the last few months or, or a year or so but you know that that's a, a particular trend that, that i thought that was pretty eye-opening you know since uh we've often you know especially in our p- political space talk talk about you know bringing uh taking bringing manufacturing jobs back here to the united states and not having them outsource or and even with the business um perspective of businesses uh having that outsource uh coming to a a a country that's closer to the United States, so uh, those are particular trends that I think are very encouraging. So when, when it comes to the, the the big landscape of things,
1: yeah, certainly a, a time for um, logistics planners to to reevaluate uh, supply chains in light of all the disruptions we've we've seen over the past two years. Uh, you know, the, a greater focus not just on you know the efficiency and speed of supply chains but also the resiliency you know hey when there is a supply chain disruption are you prepared uh, you know how can you rebound or or you know how long will it take to get a critical component that a manufacturer needs to uh, produce products you know, of course we saw that with semiconductor chips and uh, the automotive and also the truck manufacturing uh, space uh, just as an example but many more examples so uh, much more of a uh, sort of a reevaluation of supply chains, and maybe it makes sense to uh, reshore or nearshore uh, some of this uh, manufacturing and some of the supply base. Uh, that's, of course, a, a conversation that happens over a lot of time. You know, this is not something that can be done overnight. For the most part, it's a you know multi-year sort of uh, uh, process of shifting. You know your your supply chains and your sourcing and your uh, where you decide to locate manufacturing, for example, Uh, that's something that's a, you know, that's a big ship to turn around and that just takes time. Uh, But that is increasingly part of the conversation. And I think that there's a lot of global shippers and uh, transportation companies and and logistics providers that have been taking a closer look at uh, ways to improve the resiliency of supply chains and maybe, not just uh, you know continuing with uh, you know, the the just in time kind of paradigm of you know how can we operate a lean and efficient supply chain. We also need to be ready to uh, handle the bumps in the road. Um, you know, Mike, I also want to turn over to you, um, you know, to ask you know, your thoughts on on what you see on the horizon for international shippers and, and transportation providers uh, in the year ahead.
2: Well, the supply chain issues really can't be understated. You know. Even with modern improvements, uh, as Michael said, we see a bit of relief on the West Coast, but uh, the problems are still prevalent on the East Coast. These disruptions are still happening, and they're still holding up business for shipping companies. The, uh, The looming recession that has been talked about for a little bit now would have a serious negative impact on consumer spending, and that could lead to sort of a downturn for freight overall. What I'm watching most closely myself is the ongoing labor disputes between rail companies and their employee unions. Uh, We're not really out of the woods yet in terms of avoiding a rail strike, and that strike could have a disastrous ripple effect for the entire U.S. economy, and particularly supply chains would be really, really stressed by that. But if a strike can be avoided, then freight companies can let out a big sigh of relief.
1: Yeah, for sure. This has been a, you know, a very important, uh, topic to, to watch, you know, over the summer. Um, and, uh, you know, on the rail front, it looked like we were, you know, on a, uh, a very good trajectory with the, you know, the tentative agreement. Um, yeah, you know, but there is still, uh, you know, last, uh, I, I checked, uh, two unions that, uh, did not vote to approve you know, that agreement. So still some question marks about, uh, uh you know labor negotiations on the rail side, and the same is true with the ports. Um, you know the the, the ports uh, you know uh, situation uh, very much uh, remains as well, but uh, uh, you know that uh, is an issue that will need to be resolved to uh, continue to, to move our uh, supply chains and uh, and uh, global trade uh, back toward normalcy, even as we start to enter a. a uh, uncertain time for uh, you know, the economy, uh, but hey, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and I think we've uh, probably exhausted most of the key topics of um, you know that that are <laughs> connected to our to- our top 50 uh, global freight companies list. You know, I appreciate uh, you know uh, both of you gentlemen for uh, all the hard work you put into the the project, and uh, also thank you for. Your help taking our listeners inside the making of this year's top 50 list. You know, As I mentioned before, this is one of our uh, big projects of the year, so it always feels great to, to see it all come together. Thank you both for, for joining the podcast. a no problem. Thanks for having me. So we hope you've enjoyed this in-depth look at Transport Topics 2022 Top 50 Global Freight Companies list. As a reminder, you can view the complete top 50 list and related information online at ttnews.com. And of course, if you're a Transport Topics subscriber, You already have a hard copy packaged with the November 7th issue of TT. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And also, let us know how we did by texting TT Survey to 571-622-0001. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.